Dude, that thing would just be wet by the time I left here. Like, <laughs> yep. It's a workplace hazard. Such is life. Yes. Bring out your dad. <laughs> Bring I'm out not, your dad. I'm not dead yet. Somebody <laughs> told me the shop is tool in the shed. Okay. This is right. good. Yeah. Cheers. I'm feeling fucking stoked good. up. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Like, I yeah. needed that song to yeah. wake me up. It's it was so good. good. Yeah. All the dark stuff that we've gone through, I was just like, uh, sucking the You're life out of me. Taylor. But now, I feel reinvigorated. Hello and welcome to Cursed Curiosities, the eclectic podcast where we explore the curiosities of this cursed world. As will always be, I'm your host, Taylor Cope, alongside our lovely producer, my wife, Laurel. With me today are my three co-hosts. How about y'all introduce yourselves and uh, tell the listener what your favorite 90s song was? You know what it is for me, I think, and Mara hates it, but... Well, it's a tie, actually, between How Bizarre and uh, Mara gets so upset. We always do, like, a Sunday drive. Mm -hmm. You know, we go out to Detour 19 and, like, have a couple of beers and a burger and, like, (laughs) I always put on Sugar Ray. After we leave. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I lived through this. You do. Why do you like this? And I'm like, because I lived through it too. And I fucking love it. (laughs) Make you stand. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) my, my name is Chase. I'll be your peanut butter host tonight. (laughs) And, uh, I think my favorite song would be, uh, let me just check real quick and make sure this song came out in the nineties. Gold, gold finger. Oh, Mm. Superman. Yeah, it's, it's a 90s song, right? Hell yeah, man. Yes. yes, my song from the 90s would be Superman by Goldfinger, if you remember from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, Pro Skater yeah, 1. Classic. Yep. Such a classic. I literally listened to that song today. Goldfinger made a new album in 2020 that is awesome. They really? brought in like Travis Barker from yeah Blink-182 for all the drum tracks. They brought in like a bunch of famous people. It's just a collaboration of all these famous people playing parts. And the album, honestly, fucking... It's just slaps front that to back. Sounds, that sounds excellent, dude. Yeah. I, I looked into it and Hang Ups is the album that Superman came out on. It was 1998. Yeah, it is. snuck in. But yeah, Never Look Back. That looks like their most recent album. I'm going to have to check that out. Mm-hmm. We were what, six at the time? Yeah, because uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out in 99. Okay, well, let's not oh, pretend sure, like... So it was on 1990. Yeah, you wouldn't know about that, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a 91 <laughs> kid thing. Yeah, he probably... Yeah. Just leave. <laughs> Hello, I'm Laurel. Hi, Thank Laurel. you for sharing, Chase. Thank you for sharing, You're Hank. Welcome. You're welcome. Um, I was born in 88, so... Ew, I know. 88, <laughs> So I had a little, I had, I had some songs rolling around in my noggin here, but one that always jams, that was always awesome when it came on MTV, was Alanis Morissette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You ought to know. Ironic? Or, oh, oh, you shit. ought to know? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. powerful, yeah. dude. Love yeah. it. Love <laughs> it. You ought to know. 
<laughs> Love it. She's great. Best, she really is. One yeah. of the finest products of Canada to ever come from. You know what? Way better than Biebs. Yeah. Everybody mm. makes fun of Celine Dion, but like she should be in there too, I think. I think so. And Gordon Lightfoot. He's a oh, Canadian. Oh, yes. Yeah. My name's Taylor and, oh man, favorite 90s tune? I was heavy into Backstreet Boys. And when that still comes on the radio, like, man, I don't care. Uh, the Way You Are? Or, mm, wait, oh, okay. no, 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 no. That's not the one. That Way? That Way. I want it that way. Thank I want you. It that way. I want it that way. Tell yeah, that comes on. I get a spirit that takes over my body, and uh, I go all out. Ain't nothing but a heartbreak. <laughs> Tell yeah. me why. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say a Britney Spears. Oh, I did have a poster song. of her, and yeah, that you was. You do have a poster. Mm. It's in this room. You know what? Oh, I do. Yeah, Toxic. <laughs> nice. Toxic was. We all had a poster of Britney Spears. No shame, bro. Who didn't cry looking out the window listening to Lucky? She cries all alone because <sighs> oh, her no. dad. It was sad. Owned her. Because <laughs> her dad got her into a terrible yeah. legal arrangement Dude, that shouldn't even exist. When you think about it, like now, that, now that you can kind of like look back across. That history, like, oh shit, <laughs> I was kind of telling. That was a cry for help. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> shit. Baby, can't you see I'm Oh no. Well, before we get to the content, we here on Cursed Curiosities like to do a segment called the Palette Cleanser. Um, and I don't have a metaphor today, but we don't need one. What do you got, guys? Unfortunately, I forgot the great thing I was going to say, so I'm just going to freeball this one. You're going to freeball. Have you ever? <laughs> I remember. I remember what you were going to say. Will you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't that you just we, remember our jam session? That we just all sang that song. All Star. Yeah, but if it's song. included in the, it's going to be included in the intro, like that doesn't seem appropriate. Not true. I recently was down by the Minnesota River. I listened to something interesting. I think not Graham Hancock. It was someone, I don't know, one of these guys that's like, hey, like some really crazy deluges happened, you know, over the years. And I think he's right. Like, I think the Minnesota River probably was carved out by like one giant river mm. that, you know. I could see it. It was weird. I was like, I had listened to the, the podcast he was on and he was like talking about how I think it was like in the 70s, he like tripped on some acid and he was looking and he's like, why are the two bluffs equal? Mm -hmm. Like, how did this happen? And then I was down there the other day and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I just needed a fresh pair of trippy eyes on the right. scene. Yeah. I was pretty baked. Mm -hmm. um, Dude, like <laughs> glacial terraforming is just the coolest thing ever. It's like, so It's tight, so right? cool. Like the way the landscape has become so diverse and like contourous as you cross the United States. It's just like insane. And we yeah. have all these lakes up here. It's amazing. All right. I, I got a cool one. So I've got this idea to invent uh, an air freshener, but it's controlled telepathically, right? It's mm. a cool idea, right? Yeah. It just makes mm. sense if you think about it. Uh, I Yeah, I'm currently thinking about it. Whoa, man, me too. Like, <laughs> so basically when you, when you, when you have this feeling of displeasure in your mind, all of a sudden, like, it's like, oh, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, a telepathically controlled air freshener. It just makes sense if you think about it. But I mean, like, are we, are we talking? <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. God damn it. Tango down. Went over damn. my head the first time. <laughs> and frankly, I was really intrigued by the idea. <laughs> I'm like, are we talking like joke. a? <laughs> are we talking like a, a conscious thought or like a subconscious thought? 
Damn you, Cheech. I, I really was considering the idea. Yeah, it's just like, a ridiculous <laughs> joke, right? You might be onto something, though. It's a cool idea. Though, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my ballot cleanser is our neighbor, and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. She's from Ukraine, and recently, like, 300 soldiers landed at MSP to come to U of M medical facilities to get fitted for prosthetics. Hell yeah. And there is a foundation funding that right now that we're going to we're gonna switch our uh, our charity, what do you call it, contributions over to that, at least for a couple months here, because more soldiers are going to keep coming to get fitted with prosthetics and they need all the help they can get. And she was able to actually go to the airport and, like, greet them as they came back. And from her description, it was a very emotional and mixed uh, scene. Soldiers were kind of, you know, coming to a very foreign place and being welcomed by a lot more people than they thought would be in Minnesota ready to welcome them. I suppose so. That must be kind of like, I mean, not like a bad thing, but like uh, jarring. Jarring for sure. Yeah. yeah, you're just in a war zone, lost a limb, and now you're coming to Minnesota. <laughs> and all these people yeah. are like, what's up, man? Fucking A. Yep, come on like, in. Have a hands, brother. Like, arguably <laughs> had one of the worst days of your life, and then you arrive here and everyone's just like, we love you. Like, mm-hmm. keep on fighting. And these aren't even American soldiers, right? They're they're all Ukrainian. They're Ukrainian soldiers. But like, to be welcomed here with that kind of reception, it's like that's nice. I yep. mean, and we here at Cursed Curiosity are delighted to give our ten cents. More than ten yeah. cents. That it even makes said. sense if you think about it. Ah, I see what you did there. If I were uh, <laughs> if I were to be in like a dress uniform. I would like, like, a mahogany peg leg. Like, of course, like, for day-to-day activities, I would like, like, a nice prosthetic. But <laughs> I would want, like, a mahogany peg uh, peg leg just to, you know, just for, like, formal events. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just for formal events. Just down to mahogany yeah, peg leg. <laughs> so you want... You want us to chop your leg off? Not uh, even a little bit, no. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I'm saying if it happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, shit, once again, I am uh, am not the host today. Chase uh, is going to take us through part two of the Rancho Bible and everything that goes on with uh, celestial seasonings and all the wacky shit tied up in it that is pretty racist. What? I don't get a palate cleanser. Oh, oh, fuck. Sorry, sorry Laura. Damn it. <laughs> oh, please. P- palette cleanse away. Cleanse Apologies. us. Sorry. Cleanse us. I was just so excited. Man, I was I was excited to do mine, and now I'm kind of grumpy. No, okay. Come on. <laughs> all right. Breathe all it right. in. Breathe it out. So, um... You're an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, mic check in my world, um, up in my little uh, crow's nest here, is a little difficult sometimes because you can't... Like, I'm listening to them on the phone, and I'm like, shut up. You got a mic test. Hank, shut up. Hank, you talk more. (laughs) Hank, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm usually the issue, admittedly. (laughs) And in in my office up there, I realize I have an an Alexa sitting there. And I'm like, oh, I bet she can talk to the other Alexas. And sure as shit, I said, send an announcement. And I said radio silence, and I heard her announce it all through the house, and then they heard it. It worked. And we it worked. Scared. Yeah, it did scare <laughs> us. Yeah, you finally oh, you're, herded a bunch of cats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> Some crocodile Dundee type shit. Right. And I don't have to hear the feedback. I just say what I need to say, and I know you're listening. <laughs> now, this is a wife. It, there was a, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
that's a wife. <laughs> like, no, there was this, uh, there was this palpable, like, we all just kind of like looked at each other over our desks, like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it was great. Oh, palate cleansed. Mm. <laughs> yep. Oh, so yeah, once again, I am not hosting. Chase is going to finish out our two-parter on the Rancher Bible. Uh, Chase, why don't you sum up what we went over in episode one and then, uh, yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think I can do that. So last time we really focused on Mo Siegel and did a dive into some of the like racism and eugenics content that's present in the Arantia book and kind of separated that from Celestial Seasonings in the end because they're not exactly together anymore. Mm. But in this episode, I want to really focus on the piece of literature itself and the, the story that follows that. And uh, that kind of begins with the mystery of its origin. Mm. Where'd the book come from? Where indeed? Aliens. Well, Ah, the followers believe aliens, but... (laughs) So, this mystery started to unravel back in the mid-90s. The book was first copywritten in 1955, and then in 1995, a United States jury found that the Arantia Foundation's renewal of the book's copyright was invalid. It's a pretty complicated court case, but uh, I think we can sum it up pretty well. Uh, So, a woman named Kristen Mahara... I think I'm pronouncing that right, had been distributing a computerized version of the book because she was a follower of the faith. Then the Arantia Foundation sued her on the grounds that she had infringed upon their copyright. <laughs> oh, God. It's kind of funny, like the Come church on, is coming after you for spreading their Bible that should be spread yeah, freely. Like, you whoa, think? whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, as he said in the first one, I mean, it's just so weird that they're so corporate. Yeah. And, it's a oh, business Hardcore Bible. corporate. Yeah. 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 I mean... Isn't evangelism kind of the idea of every religion? Oh, you'd want to spread. You want to spread it, right? So, like, the idea of being like, whoa, 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 (laughs) you're spreading it too well. Copyright infringement. Yeah, to freely disseminate the materials, the biblical text, you'd think would be, like, smiled upon. They'd be like, thanks for doing the Lord's work for us. Exactly. Isn't the whole ideal of any religion to propagate it? Yes. Not this one. Apparently <laughs> this not. This one's about it's the a... bottom dollar, my friend. <laughs> Sounds like bullshit to me. Like... <laughs> yeah. One time, we successfully made it a bulldog with a shih tzu. We, we called it a bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. The whole copyright battle is a really interesting story. And the best part about it is that it made for some great data mining because, like, the, the representatives from the Arantia Foundation had to testify under oath. Like, this is, like, Ooh. concrete stuff, like, on record. Um, nice. So, the case essentially came down to an issues of authorship. And here I'll quote directly from the Court of Appeals record on the case. <laughs> uh, both parties believed that the words in the book were authored by non-human spiritual beings described in terms such as the Divine Counselor, the Chief of the Core of Super Universe Personalities, and the Chief of the Archangels of Nebadon. These spiritual entities are thought to have delivered the teachings that were eventually assembled in the book through a patient of a Chicago psychiatrist, Dr. William Sadler. 
The parties also agree that Dr. Sadler formed a group of five or six followers called the Contact Commission. The commission began to pose specific questions to spiritual beings. The answers to these questions, as transmitted to the humans and arranged by them, became the Arantia Papers. And this last bit is just great. At some point, the manuscript containing the papers was intentionally destroyed. You know what? <laughs> I gotta tell you, what? that really painted like a kind of a creepy image in my mind. Like, yeah. imagine the 70s. Imagine this doctor's wearing, like, horn rim glasses. They can all smoke inside. <laughs> and, like, okay, here's what it comes down to for me. I mean, I, I am always the consummate skeptic, but at the same time, like, people don't really understand what skepticism means. I want to believe. Perhaps they did contact something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. at the same time, of course they didn't. And you can never have solid proof. I, I'm a romantic, man. I just want to, you know, I want to imagine that these five psychiatric patients. Was it just one psychiatric patient and then five other random yeah. people? Yeah. It, it's, oh, damn it. It gets okay. even weirder. Well, it's like okay. there's, there's one patient and like a group of like 30 people just monitoring and questioning the person. It gets weird. Okay, oh, okay. So this sounds bad. Never mind. Weird. Okay. Yeah. What, I, what I've been creating in my mind is not accurate at all it sounds like it gets strange <laughs> but so far the flying spaghetti monster has commissioned a focus group and then destroyed all the evidence yeah of course yeah because you wouldn't <laughs> want the original papers to exist right because well, there might be some like flaw or something well, i don't Maybe. see i don't see it that way see the romantic in me wants to believe that like they destroyed those papers because they were too powerful or like something like sure. that. Sure, mm-hmm. lock you know away I mean? the ark of the covenant because it's just too much for humans to know about yeah, you know? top men <laughs> Nobody likes melting their face off. No, no. There's a big snake in the plane, Jock! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jock! I hate them! Well, we'll, what a we'll great scene that is. learn even more about how this weird interrogation sort of thing happened. It's it's fun. All right, I'm scared, but, but lead, lead me down the hallway with your flashlight. All right, so... <laughs> Because a celestial alien cannot claim copyright of a literary work (laughs) under United States law or any Earth law, I don't think, (laughs) the Arantia Foundation originally lost this case, and then they appealed on the grounds that they were a proprietor and that this book was a work for hire, and eventually had the ruling overturned. I don't know how that logic works out. But then again, in 2001, a U.S. jury in Oklahoma ruled that the copyright was invalid, and this was upheld by a court of appeals. Since then, the Arantia book has been considered public domain, but in a last-ditch effort to secure some cash flow, the Arantia Foundation has placed three blue concentric circles on the cover of the book and has trademarked that symbol. (laughs) (laughs) They claim that we are told that the symbol is the material emblem of the Trinity government. The circles were displayed as the banner of Michael under which the loyalists rallied when there was a war in heaven during the Lucifer rebellion. But I have a conflicting claim from a website called withchrist.org. The three Concentric circle symbol, known as the Banner of Michael, represents a modern-day Aryan Gnostic cult. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Arantia followers reject the tenets of Orthodox Christianity, particularly canonicity, and thus cannot be considered Christian by any traditional definition. They go on further to say, as part of the larger Arantia Brotherhood, 
Small groups of followers and societies engage in stealth-like activities to study the book and pledge themselves to disseminate its teachings. Is this a legitimate religion or a Satan-inspired cult? I was going to say no paragraph should have Aryan and Brotherhood in the same Probably thing. Not. And no. then, then you also added... Um, well, the Luciferian Rebellion, is that just like a, a reference to Paradise Lost, which is not... Oh, dude. Canonical Bible at all. This is going to be awesome. There's a whole section about paradise. Is there? Yes. Oh. I love the book. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's the one epic poem I actually enjoy. Okay. I hate epic poetry. See, I don't I don't know much about this at all, but it seems like you'll have some good, like... Oh, definitely. Good input on this. Dude, dude uh, first, Upton, Upton really wrote a fucking a beautiful piece of work there. But to, like, claim that is like, well, and that's what happened with Lucifer. It's like... No, this was a dude in like the mid 1800s that was drunk as fuck and was just like, this is how Lucifer fell from heaven. Let me paint Lucifer in a relatable manner, more or less. <laughs> it's a great fucking book. I mean, it just to to try and say like the Luciferian rebellion, it's like, oh, you mean one drunkard's idea of like, what if the devil was cool? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, And I should mention here when I said like, the Arantia Brotherhood. This website, withchrist.org, used that because the followers of this like cult originally embraced the idea that they were a cult. Like they totally owned it. They were like, Yeah, we're a cult, we're a brotherhood. And they embraced the eugenics and stuff. And now, just in recent years, they're trying to distance themselves from it. So they've like scrubbed all words like that from their <laughs> websites. They've gone through great lengths to just like make it seem a little more approachable. <laughs> All right, so we got another focus group together, and turns out this isn't popular anymore. People yeah. don't like cults. Yeah. Cults, cults yeah. aren't really trending right now on Twitter. Guys, we got to rebrand. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, We're a collective. <laughs> Stop it. So, okay, so one of the best parts about this court case, again, is that they had to testify under oath, and they explicitly admit that a man named William Sadler had played a significant role in the creation of the book. So who is this guy, William Sadler? This is the best part of the story. Sadler up. So, maybe unsurprisingly, Sadler has been described as a turn-of-the-century self-trained psychiatrist who has published three books about eugenics and had a deeply rooted racist philosophy. Okay, so what stood out there was uh, self-trained. Yeah, he was self-trained. He and his wife ended up just doing it live. Nope. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! Like, they just... <laughs> they were psychiatrists in the early 1900s. Like, we're talking like 1905 or something. Like, like I'll get, let me get into his childhood yeah. okay, or whatever, his okay. backstory. Jungian or Freudian, would you say? Just wait. Okay. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Okay. So, born in 1875, he grew up a native of Indiana. Sadler moved to Michigan as a teenager to work at the Battle Creek Sanitarium. There, he met the physician and health food promoter, John Harvey Kellogg, oh, co-inventor no. of cornflakes. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. The jerk guy. Yeah. Yeah, so um, no that, that's who became his <laughs> yeah, original. No yeah. yeah, that was his original mentor, right? It was John Harvey Kellogg. Um, Sadler married John's niece, Lena Kellogg, in 1897. Now, Dr. Kellogg is a Seventh-day Adventist. These are the people who think the next coming of Jesus is imminent. Dude has a pretty radical philosophy, which can be comically illustrated with his beliefs about sexuality. 
John, Dr. John Kellogg, believed that many of his patients' ailments were caused by sexual desires. According to him, masturbation alone could cause 39 different symptoms, including mood swings, bad posture, stiff joints, and epilepsy. (laughs) (laughs) Furthermore, he concluded that eating healthy, bland foods could curb your sexual desires, and thus, cornflakes were born. Yeah, the the originator of fucking Frosted Flakes was supposed to be so boring that you didn't want to jerk off. No, yeah, Frosted exactly. wasn't yeah. Frosted Flakes like his brother though, who was like, "Fuck that, like this is bullshit." But like, you kind of have a good idea with these cornflakes. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some sugar on them. It's gonna be nice. <laughs> Old Frosty <laughs> John's much. brother. Yeah, it was a great I'm gonna, Frosty John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna glaze these. <laughs> yeah, there is a great drunk history on the Kellogg brothers if yeah. no one knows about it. There was one that was cool though, right? Like is that am I misremembering this? Someone stole something from the other one when they figured out that mold on bread that made the cornflakes. The mold mold on what? Mold on bread. <laughs> and then you put it through a ringer in the morning and little little cornflakes would come out of there. I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that's how that works either. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like that does not make sense. <laughs> okay, now I gotta look it up. It's like toasted cornmeal or something? I have no idea how cornflakes are made. And oh, what has sure. to deal with mold, I remember that. No, <laughs> right. I, and I'm sorry, but like, I'm very confused by what, by what you just said. Well, to backtrack. I'm probably not explaining it very well. I think there was one brother who was cool, and then yeah. there was, yeah, like, who saw it as a business. Like, oh, right. we can get a cheap breakfast product out to people. And then his brother was just like, they got to stop touching themselves. <laughs> yeah. How do I do it? Dude, and you know what's crazy? I always want to fuck after a bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> Just an aphrodisiac. <laughs> they totally backfired. <laughs> so he fucked that up. <laughs> like, Oh, man. <laughs> oh, here we go. I have it. A batch of wheat-based cereal dough was accidentally left out for an extended period of time, causing it to ferment. When rolled... Through a ringer, yeah. the slightly moldy dough produced perfect, large, thin flakes that became crispy and tasty in the oven. So it was like exactly how you described it. I think so. okay, maybe oh, I wasn't. Yep, I, I wasn't. So. No shit. Describing okay, it cool. terribly. No, no, thank you. Like yeah. I, just and like I said, moldy bread. I, I was yeah. absolutely <laughs> not trying to shoot you down. I just was like, I don't think that's how that works, but apparently it's it ridiculous. is. Ridiculous. Like <laughs> this is like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Everything's fucked. These yeah. people believe that like cornflakes will stop you from masturbating. Like <laughs> truly the pinnacle of cursedness. Psychiatry. You got a headache. Let's let's get some leeches, right? <laughs> yeah, you need to see a psychiatrist. He's probably a eugenicist. Like, just a heads up. Mm, gastrointestinal problems. I got an eel guy. <laughs> eels. Oh, you ever tried tape? Put some eels. <laughs> eels and escalators. Uh, might I jam an ice pick through your eye socket into your brain? It'll make you feel better. <laughs> I'm only in town for one pressure. day, then I get back in my weird van and go do it everywhere <laughs> <Yeah>. else. <laughs> Okay. okay. Oh, don't so, worry, it won't hurt. <laughs> make it fine. Yeah. So, so Dr. Kellogg was Sadler's first mentor, and eventually, he would study under Sigmund Freud himself. Oh, shit. For a solid year, just about. Of course. Of course, right? It's Sigmund Freud and John Kellogg are this guy's mentors. That's who he learned psychiatry on. Fucking Freud, dude. Like, wow. Freud maybe shit. has some credibility. 
Kellogg does not. <laughs> no, dude. You know what? You know what Freud did? He he made cocaine use ubiquitous throughout the the aristocracy of Austria, yes. Vienna especially. And it's like when you look at it through that lens, you know, a guy comes in, he's like, I don't know. I just I keep having these dreams where there's like all these wolves in this tree, and I I'm looking out my window and I'm so scared and. You know, Freud's like fucking ripping line. He's like, that means you want to fuck your mom, bro. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, what? No, I, I don't know. I just, this dream is weird. And he's like, no, bro. Like, here, d- try some of this. He fucking sniffs it up. And he's like, dude, maybe I do want to fuck my mom. Oh, my God. Like, holy shit. You're so f- brilliant. Like, and then somebody else was like, don't you, uh, don't all those cigars you smoke mean you like dick? And he's like, well, no, not this instance. <laughs> Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah, like, <laughs> fuck you, Freud, you piece of shit. Carl Jung was arguably his greatest protege, and I respect him much more. Parapsychology as well he got into, which is kind of a cool study. I love how you called it, though. You were like, was he like a Freudian guy or a young guy? I was like, oh, he's Freudian as fuck. <laughs> he's crazy, of man. Course he, of course he was. Uh, <laughs> Freud was good at stirring the pot in like a productive way, like just getting people to think outside the box. But like, I Kellogg, guess, what the fuck? Yeah, right. <laughs> Corn flakes and stuff. I'm not trying to fully shit on Floyd here, but, or Floyd, Freud. Um, a Floydian slip. A Floydian slip indeed. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the guy just, he had some weird fucking ideas, and cocaine did not help them. <laughs> so, those are this man's mentors, and eventually he would embark on his own studies that would lead us to the Arantia book. I'll quote a write-up here from culteducation.com. So, around 1911, a man in Sadler's apartment began having fits and spells at night. Eventually, he started speaking in other voices and revealed that he was a student visitor on an observation trip here from a far distant planet. William Sadler and his wife, Dr. Lena Sadler, had conversations with these voices for almost 10 years while their adopted daughter, Christy, took notes. Just picture that. <laughs> it's like, bushy. Your daughter's sitting there listening. To, just this man's ramblings while he's just saying nonsense, and you're like, Christy, write that down. I mean... <laughs> Make yourself useful. <laughs> I mean, consider this. Like, how would any of you respond to that? I there's think a this guy, man needed medical help. There's a guy that's staying with you that all of a sudden starts having seizures and then he like starts talking in a weird voice and telling you weird shit. And then yeah, like you say, like you commission your adopted daughter to write these things down. <laughs> yeah. like, just just jot that down. He said something cool about like the purple race. Like write it down. Yeah. It, <laughs> I just I I have a hard time imagining this where it's like I you just need to leave. <laughs> It like, kind of it kind of discredits anything that she wrote down too. I mean, like you've already got one piece of a game of telephone going on here now. It's like now it's at the behest of your child note taker. It gets is, even worse. How old is this well, kid, by the way? Oh, I don't know. I didn't look into much about uh, look into Christie's life too much. Um, yeah, it gets weirder though. So <laughs> okay, um, Christie's taking notes. Save all comments to um, the. In the 1920s, so over the 10 years that they were kind of recording some of this stuff. Uh, we get to the 1920s, and a group of friends eventually called the Forum put together a list of 4,000 questions for these beings. The Forum, which then had 30 members, closed their meetings to visitors and began to require a pledge of secrecy. Sad- Sadler instructed members not to publicize what they had learned, telling them that they had a, an incomplete picture of what was occurring. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, the sleeping man furiously wrote a manuscript that answered all their questions. 
<laughs> Author Martin Gardner makes the case that it was Sadler's brother-in-law, Wilfred Custer Kellogg. He writes, Sadler had been duped by other channelers in the past, most notably Ellen White, the founder of Seventh-day Adventism. His oh, mentors, God. you know, yep, yep. following or whatever. But he believed his brother-in-law was the real thing. And this is how the Arantia papers were written and eventually compiled into the Arantia book. It kind of has similar vibes to, like, Mormonism. Like, oh, yeah, Joseph Smith, he's got the seer stones. Only he yeah. can see these things. And uh, he'll write it down for you, though. Don't worry about it. And uh, yeah, 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 we'll make a religion. It's fine. It's yeah. a different format. Yeah. Right. Same and, thing. And the mm-hmm. manuscript was afterwards destroyed. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, Intentionally mm-hmm. destroyed were the exact words. Not accidental. Well, it was too much for us mere mortals. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. yeah and uh, ask your questions, but uh, nobody talk, and we'll come together later. Just give me, I need like 30 days. Right. Don't worry. We'll, t- we'll tell you what to think. And that's how the book of Mormon was written. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so just to paint a picture, you've got Sadler and his wife, the self-trained psychiatrist, with their daughter taking notes as this insomniac who's having, like, sleep terrors, is being questioned by 30-some individuals in their room who are all sworn to secrecy and signed pledges of it. So Why that's was... not weird. That's not cultish, right? All right, but no. I will say this. It is impressive that they put together 4,000 prompts. It's a lot of questions. I don't think we could do that. Dude, they ended up with 2,097 pages of the Ranch book. So Jesus there's Christ. a lot of content there. I mean, okay, so obviously this is a bunch of fucking psychos, <laughs> and I don't – I admonish them for doing these things, but strength of will, impressive. So they have 4,000 questions answered by an insomniac with sleep terrors, wow. right? <laughs> So, Sadler himself believed in the theory of race eugenics, and allegedly one of his favorite books was Madison Grant's The Passing of the Great Race. Oh, no. This book suggests that Nordic people are the ideal human race and that getting rid of other races would cleanse society of the undesirables who crowd jails, hospitals, and insane asylums. Lena Sadler supported her husband in this and once wrote that eugenics would eliminate at least 90% of crime. Insanity, feeble-mindedness, moronism, and abnormal sexuality. Again, mm. we get back to this weird sexuality thing that they learned from Seven Kellogg. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Not to mention many other forms of defectiveness and degeneracy. And this racial hygiene theory would be infamously echoed by Nazis just a couple decades later. Yep. These people may have inspired the Nazis. That's the craziest um, thing I thought. Like, damn. I mean, yeah, it all stems from somewhere. It has to. And back then, I guess... Just, I don't know, people were more susceptible to this stuff. Like, you know, there's not really a lot of fact-checking going on. you got a lot in your life that you just kind of put blind faith in. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, I I don't know, we're lucky these days to be able to, I don't know, you you come against a problem. Suddenly you're like, okay, well, I need to know how this works. So we have these magical little boxes in our pockets that (laughs) can basically tell us whatever we need to know. Like cornflakes. Much like cornflakes, yes, yes. But no, I mean, like, yeah, you're living in 1910. I mean, what do you do? You go to a library or, like, you go talk to someone who you respect as a, I don't know, like, an enlightened individual, so to speak, you know? Yeah, I mean, your childhood education was just somebody hitting you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Don't do that! (laughs) Yeah, it was a simpler time. I mean, we're talking 110 years ago when, like, medicine, science, everything was so much more primitive so just general understanding of the universe yeah. is that like a low point for the 20th century without Pen- a doubt. Like- penicillin was like still like what, 
14 years off at that point. Yeah. Good yeah. so. <laughs> use of moldy bread. A great use of moldy <laughs> bread. Yeah. Shall we continue? Please. Right. Okay. So I think it's safe to say that many of Sadler and his wife's beliefs made it into the final translation of the book, especially considering this following bit. So William Sadler claimed himself that a divine counselor presented the ideas in a language called Uversa, which had to be translated into Salvington and then into Satania before it could be translated into English and communicated to a human being. So it had already been retranslated like five times before it made it to the sleepy man who Sadler's <laughs> daughter was writing notes about while these 30 people were interrogating him in a weird nightmarish state. I don't know if uh, you guys... Look at my do... face. Laurel <laughs> <laughs> like is scrunched. She is scrunching. Oh, the irony here, too, is not lost on me that, like, the people who would go on to invent a tea to help you sleep would be inspired by a man who was a terrible insomniac who was having night terrors. Right? <laughs> Holy it's, shit. It's ironic, isn't it? Really good. Isn't boy. that, like, blew my mind, like, there. mind blow. Yep. And isn't it ironic? Damn. Well, and... They're like, we just, you know, in his honor. <laughs> in this man's honor, we want to help you get a good night's sleep. Well, what was that? Three or four languages I have never heard of. None and of them are real. Satania. I don't know if you guys <laughs> like, have ever on, used man. Google Translate on like a piece of like foreign text, but you often get it wrong. And that's like the best software we got today. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is 110 years ago. And was, the, there was and no the software. final passage is through like a 10-year-old girl. Yeah, the final <laughs> passage is like a... Okay, so ultimately it seems like the papers were just a significant way for William and Lena to push their views in hopes that they be adopted by either the scientific or religious communities, and unfortunately for us, they're succeeding in the latter. <laughs> and I think that brings us to our first break, or our only break. All right, so. well, uh, yeah, you know, this is just insanity, so... I, I might quit tomorrow, actually. I'm just going to take a little breaky now. A little breaky for me. And then we're going to come back, and I'm going to start the show over. Welcome back, everybody. We've uh, focused on some of the racist eugenic stuff in pretty significant detail, and that was fun. But I figure we should probably dive into some of the more harmless, absurd features of this religion while we do a little herbal tea taste test. Absolutely. A few of us are... Uh, enjoying ourselves a fine glass of sleepy time throat tamer. <laughs> our our throats are feeling quite feral, so in this it's moment too hot. we're looking for a bit of tameness. Yeah, you got you got to tame your throat. Yeah, it, it is quite warm still. You, your throat you ever get out of line? <laughs> your throat ever just doing things? And you need to rein it in a little. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Bring it, it back. with some throat tamer. Coat it with a little bit of licorice and slippery elm bark. <laughs> I stir mine with one chopstick. It's, you can really taste the slippery elm bark, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really comes out on the aftertaste, on the exhale. I don't even know how to describe that. It's it's nice. It'll soothe you to sleep. I think there's chamomile in it too, which is like, it'll make you tired. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, right. I never sleep. <laughs> I never get tired. As my good friend Nas once said, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chase, what else okay. we got? Okay, so um, I think just kind of for the rest of this thing, I'd like to quote from the analysis of author and editor DJ Moore. And then um, if we want to look into any particular section of the Arantia book more, we can just do it. I have it open here. So oh, absolutely. 
let's just start with like the reason I'm using this man's analysis is because reading through the book itself is just insane. It doesn't mean anything. Let me read you one passage here first. It comes from uh, page 24, so it's not very far into it, and it's labeled Higher Personalities of the Infinite Spirit. Okay. Okay. So here's a quote from the book. Solitary messengers, circuit supervisors, census directors, and personal aides are characterized by the possession of tremendous amounts of anti-gravity. The solitary messengers are without known general headquarters. They roam the universe of universes. The universe circuit supervisors and the census directors maintain headquarters on the capitals of the super universes. The personal aides of the infinite spirit are stationed on the central Isle of Light. The associate inspectors and the assigned sentinels are respectively stationed on the capitals of the local universes and on the capitals of their component systems. Graduate guides are resident in the Havana universe and function on all its billion worlds. Most of these higher personalities have stations in the local universes, but they are not organically attached to the administrations of the evolutionary realms. That's it. That was exponentially insane. <laughs> oh my <right>? God. <laughs> like, that's, dude, when you first started reading it, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And then it's just like... <sighs> It goes sideways just quick. Crazier and crazier. I I feel like that's the answer you would get from Jeff Bezos if you asked him, how does Amazon actually work? (laughs) Just a run around (laughs) of terms. The the weirdest thing to the Well, I got my sentinels, but they're in the universe of universes. And also, I don't know. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. You know, sometimes we do go to the Island of Light. (laughs) (laughs) Not often. Now that Epstein's gone, there's no point. Dude, they don't introduce any of these terms either, dude. They, all of this is just thrown at you immediately without any explanation. So you're supposed to just keep reading, and eventually you kind of understand what these references are too. Well, it's I mean, what does that fallacy called, Taylor? Uh, appeal to authority. Appeal to authority. Yeah, like you say enough cool words enough times, people are like, oh yeah, I should know that, but I don't. So like, oh yeah, right. I don't like it, sure. Hey, what's that guy talking about? I don't know, but he's got a megaphone. Well, and I don't know, like, reading this, I think, yeah, if you, like, slow it down, you can make your own meaning in there. You know? Like, I don't think anybody's reading this and going, like, and has, like, a consensus on what it means. Yeah, it's so open-ended and, like, complicated that I think you can really tell people, like, how did you interpret it? Your your interpretation is what's important. Here. Yeah, right. You can really run around the content and be like, all that stuff about the races, that's more metaphorical. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, it's, it's quite obvious at times, and at other times, it's just nonsense, clearly. Yeah, like, that was incoherent. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's why I'm reading from the summary of another author who read through it like page after page and he just constantly throughout his summary is like i can't believe i did this like this was awful and boring and i hated it <laughs> like i mean that was truly like just an exponential decline yeah yeah in, into like, insanity in logic it, it just collapsed right. as the whole thing goes on all right well, so and- this man who stared into the abyss longer than us what what's his analysis all right yeah I, i'll just I'll, I'll good question just start a little bit here So this is a little interesting. He says the book is divided into four main sections. The first section tells us at length how perfect God is. 
The second section is the corporate hierarchy and structure of the cosmos. <laughs> Next, we're given a history of Earth, which is a rancha. It's called a rancha to these people. And finally, the book finishes up with a retelling of Jesus' story. He says that it's written in a very jumbled way. Terms, persons, and events are referred to in the beginning of the book as if you're supposed to know what they are, but you have to wait until later in the book for them to be defined or explained. <laughs> There's a mixture of good and bad common sense advice like you'd find in any self-help book or wisdom literature. The authors consider philosophy to be superior to science for some reason, and the book sometimes tells us things like the word salary is derived from the word salt. Thanks, aliens, but if you're going to go out of your way to give us a message, tell us something we don't already know. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that that is true. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's just not exactly profound knowledge, you know? It's, and, like, w yeah, what's the... Well, so. this this has a lot of parallels to, like, Q-drops and QAnon. And if you don't know what a Q-drop is, it was the cryptic messages that Q would post uh, online. And then people would pick them apart in their own special ways. And certain influencers would get a following because they figured it out better. And, and like, the Q-drops were supposed to be cryptic because you can't pass on the secret knowledge directly because you're like not allowed to, or like right. they're fucking, they're watching. Like some of them are intentionally misleading to like trick the, uh, mm -hmm. the deep state who's in hot pursuit of these Q drops. Right. So they yeah. would like intentionally tell people incorrect dates. Yes. And a, and a common phrase in QAnon lore is like disinformation is necessary. Yeah. Trust Dude, the process or whatever. Trust the plan. Trust the plan. I mm. guess because I, I often Storms dox people. I often dox people on the show, so I will be careful on this one. Uh, a close person in my life was just trying to tell me the other day about some fucking Q drop. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you realize that's insane, right? Isn't it fun when you meet them in the wild? Yeah. <sighs> I, I wish it was in the wild. It's not. It's a. It's a close. That is close. To uh, <laughs> family uh, deal. You know. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. suffice it to say, I was just like, w consider what you're telling me right now. Like, you know me. I'm an intelligent man. Like, consider what you are trying to posit to me at the moment. <laughs> and it was like, well, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, think about it. All the parallels, and it's like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, really. once, once again, reconsider your statement yeah. and tell it to me. Like, Correlation doesn't mean causation. No, exactly. It was creepy, man. Like, it was like, Jesus fucking Christ, please, no. Well, my I, thought when I always meet people in the wild that are into QAnon or whatever, or yeah, I haven't met a Urantia person yet, but it's, it's, it's just sad. It's like, oh, they got to you? God damn it. You seem smart. <laughs> right. My uncle's a Urantia guy. Really? No. No. God damn it, Laurel. I was going to say, what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> Tango down. So All right, where so. do we want to start? I'll, I'll, do we want to do the corporate bureaucracy of the cosmos? The structure of the universe? Paradise? You know, any ah, corporate bureaucracy. I hate to say it, but like it, it needs to be it's, said. It's good. It's, yeah, let's it's start good. corporate. Yeah. Um, okay, so a large portion of the book is dedicated to describing the bureaucratic hierarchy of the cosmos and all the different job titles. We learn such useful tidbits, such as the master spirit number four is the master spirit responsible for determining influence regarding father-son policies and procedures in the councils of the seven master spirits. <laughs> the cosmic... Go this is great. Once, once again, exponential insanity. <laughs> it's so absurd, right? This is great, though. The cosmic government happens to have three branches. They are the executive branch... The judicial branch and the deliberative branch. Oh, go figure. <laughs> it's the United States government. Yeah. yeah. Um, and go figure someone in Chicago in the early 1900s 
figured the cosmic government was probably structured the same way as the U.S. Washi was an alien, dude. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Super duper. That's nice. Way to go. Neato, gang. Yes. Boy. Oh. Yeah. That was good news. Um, so this kind of came up a little bit in the story. The symbol for the Trinity government. That's the thing they were talking mm-hmm. about, the three concentric circles. That's what they mean by this. Is it the Father, Son, and Holy Toast? Oh, no, it's the executive. <laughs> it's this three-government cosmic thing, this executive, judicial, and deliberative branch. Oh, yes, branch. It, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the three blue concentric circles, um, which is kind of similar to Lucifer's banner, which is like, two circles no, yeah. i don't know it's, it's weird. like an infinity symbol with the cross coming up and yeah 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 so this is kind of not a surprise but there's no female aspect to the trinity at the top of the organizational chart of the uh, cosmos the spirit is compared to a mother at one point but they like backtrack on it and go like it's it's male actually like it's a it's the spirit's male <laughs> of course <laughs> mothers do get mentioned further down the corporate ladder but overall women are largely absent this is a man's universe after all vagina <laughs> so <laughs> that's bullshit yeah. yeah not surprising considering these people were just the worst it's right. 1920s they trusted a little girl to yeah. write their their life story yeah good or point Christy. yeah or yeah. christy sadler yeah. she was adopted too so i imagine like weird dynamic there with her crazy parents but yeah poor christy PTS. Yeah, did, were they looking for a daughter or a, like a slave? A lab assistant. <laughs> yeah. Lab right. yeah. A, Someone, I bet, intern. I bet she was the <laughs> only orphan who could write. Probably, yeah. <laughs> At the we, time. We need an intern to scribble down these weird do you think? Do you think she like she, Oliver twisted it where she was like, Hello, I'm the, I'm the smart one of the orphanarium. Honey, you'll never believe it. We scooped a good one. <laughs> she can read and write. Can you scoot over? I I cannot. She appears to be docile. (laughs) Like this. So so this is pretty cool. I while trying to read through the Urantia book, I stumbled upon this same stuff that um, this author DJ Moore touches on. But we are told God is energy in one place. God is love in another. We're told light without heat is a non-spiritual manifestation of the deities. It also goes into the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Infinite Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Not, not for the Holy people. Toast? They're mainly the same. But one difference is that the Infinite Spirit possesses the amazing power of anti-gravity and is able to slow down energy <laughs> okay. to the point of materialization. Okay. I, I know I know I so, I know I sound like a broken record right now, but like Every fucking statement from these people, it starts out and you're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. The craziness is literally, it's like an exponential curve. Yeah. it's. yeah. It's I like mean, it's, by the end of that, I, I didn't even know how that statement was going to end, but I'm like, I know it's going to be fucking insane. <laughs> the powers of anti-gravity, yeah. dude, of course. The infinite spirit. This is how they hook people. This melts your brain, and when you put it back together, it's put back together just wrong enough to understand that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, like, just nonsensical enough to maybe hook you yeah. and be like, wow, I don't know if I understand this, so it must be so deep. It must be so complex and right. profound that I'm intrigued or something. Just put my head back in this microwave and give it one more read. <laughs> right? It's... <laughs> It's so absurd. Should we we continue? Do you guys want to get to the structure of the universe? Yes, sir, I do. Oh, wait. This is how the universe is Satania? Yep, that's what we're getting to. That's what it is? All right, cool. So let's dive in. So the planet on which we live is Urantia. Our system 
is Satania. Mm-hmm. Our constellation is Norlatiadec. Okay. Our local universe is called Nebadon, mm-hmm. the creation of the creator's son named Michael, who incarnated as Jesus of Nazareth. And... All the way yeah. up to Michael? Yeah. Like, okay. And, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> Nebadon is located inside Orvantin, the seventh super universe. And the nearest neighboring universes, by the way, are Avalon, Hensalon, Pansalon, Portalon, Wolverine, <laughs> Pansalon, Wolverine and Ulverine. Um, Dang it. I thought God he was going to say, like, Lucas it. for the last just, one. Just Brad. Just Brad. Hey, Pansalon, dude. Come on. Who the fuck lives in Pansalon? <laughs> this, this part's kind of cool, though. Except for Hensalon, Nebadon has had more sons of Lanardic Rebel <laughs> than any other local universe, and that's ours, so we're kind of the bad boys of the cosmos. Like, oh. we have these spirits oh. who are, like, rebelling against the system, you know? Oh. I like so that. that's kind of tight. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Freedom! Um, the headquarters of the super universe is Uversa. The central universe is called Havana. That kind of came up a little bit. Um, Havana is not a time creation, but rather an eternal existence. The first of all mortals to attain Havana is Grandfanda, like grandfather, who hailed from planet 341 of System 82 in Constellation 62 of Local Universe 1131, situated in Super Universe Number 1. Stop being crazy! God damn. When oh, did they start I, getting numbered? I'm glazing <laughs> over. I'm just, it makes no sense, exactly. right? I'm really trying as hard as I can to follow what you're saying. Right. But None it, of it no. makes any sense, no, right? Okay. And at times they use extremely specific numbers, and then at times they just round. They'll just be like, there's like 32 million local <laughs> spirit guides or something. And this then is, the next yeah. number will That's be like down like to the single digit. Hmm. Why? What's the point of that? Like... Yeah, All right, so what, that was the structure of the universe. What else we got? We got Jesus. We can go paradise. paradise. Uh, we can get into some of the pseudoscience that comes up that's just since been debunked. Like, it's just not. Well, real. what do they consider paradise? I suppose I am kind of curious okay. about that. Yeah. So it, he starts with a quote from this chapter. When ascenders attain the postulated seventh stage of spirit existence, they will therein experience the realization of a new meaning value of the absoluteness and infinity of the triodites as such is revealed on the absolute levels in the supreme being who is experienceable. Hmm. Hmm. So that's how it begins. (laughs) That's Um, like the least crazy thing I've heard all night. (laughs) I'm still spaced out, though. Yeah. So, paradise, I think, is supposed to be like a... It's like a parallel to heaven, right? Okay. It's apparently ellipsoid rather than being spherical as we might expect. <laughs> okay. It's okay. one sixth longer in the north south diameter than in the east west diameter. Jesus Thanks for Christ. that. Okay. Why? Cardinal yeah. directions in heaven. Don't know. That's good. The Trinity dominates the personal or upper plane, while the unqualified absolute, the nether or impersonal plane, is. Um, that's it. That's all it says. (laughs) The Trinity dominates the personal or upper plane, while the unqualified absolute, the nether or impersonal plane. Okay, so the unqualified absolute. This is the the bottom chunks. This is the shittiest grifter of all time. I'm amazed you divined that that was the bottom out of. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really kind of at a loss here. The more you read, it's just like, whoa, dude. None of it makes any sense. At, at, at the beginning, it's just like, God is love, God is time, God is the almighty. It's just praising him for a long time. And you're mm-hmm. like, this is typical Bible stuff. Like I can, I understand this. But eventually it gets to this and none of it makes sense. And it's kind of 
tight, but none of it makes any <laughs> sense. I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know, something I just realized about all this, though, and there has been something appealing while you've been reading these melting paragraphs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, just wait for it. But what's appealing is, like, I do want to, like, take out a piece of paper and, like, draw out, like, how this functions in, like, a w- like, it's like a puzzle you want to solve. Yeah. You know, if and I do want to solve it, and I can see how it could reel in people... I don't know, bored and lost enough to actually try and make sense of it. Cause there is a structure there. It's just not fuck. That's true. But anyway, so with the science they're using though, like what pseudoscience are they pulling from? Yeah, this, this is kind of a good way to, I guess, highlight this discussion. It's like here, here's the pseudoscience section. This is what like these claims were made in the book as if they were hard science. And at the time they were, this was the generally understood belief Mm -hmm. at the time and have since been debunked like big time. So they believed fungi are a retrograde movement in evolution being plants, which have lost their chlorophyll making ability and have become more or less parasitic. The majority of disease causing bacteria and their auxiliary virus bodies really belong to this group of renegade parasitic fungi. Mm. They thought fungi, bacteria and viruses were all one thing in a different life cycle. Okay. That's kind of interesting. Okay, so they didn't know shit. Yeah, they didn't know anything. (laughs) A bunch of this is gnarly. It was written in the early 20th century, and then people only started actually listening to it in, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and now 40 years after that. Like, a lot has changed. Like, clearly. True. Yeah. Yeah, here's that bit about, like, atoms. In addition to atoms and electrons, we learn that they're also ultimatons, whatever they are. A maximum (laughs) temperature is upwards of 35 million degrees, but there is no absolute zero. Um, the decimal system, we are told, is inherent in the physical universe. So that's cool. All right. I don't yeah. understand what was... I mean, I, I understood all the words. I just don't <laughs> quite understand how they come together. <laughs> well, this is all this weird science that they claim is, like, hard fact. Like, it how just... You, it's, how, how do you have the balls back then to just assert that? Here's the deal. <laughs> Dude, physics are... Physics, it's a much older study than, like... I mean, you have 300 years of physics going on. What the fuck is linear gravity? That's a good question. <laughs> you know? We talking about a, a single plane gravitational force here? Like, what the fuck, man? Gravity that pulls you straight to the bar. That makes... Ah. <laughs> Take me to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> they do actually correctly state some things. They do mention that, like, eagles, ducks, pigeons, and ostriches all descended from dinosaurs. Like, they... They oh, got that got right. That one like, right. They okay. occasionally get some things right. That's cool. Yeah. And then they later say that like placental mammals descended from a little reptilian dinosaur with a comparatively large brain. Oh, so, cute. They didn't cute. get that one right. It's a hedgehog. Yeah. Think so? Think we were hogs at one point? It was Reggie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, here's a direct quote. They attempt to argue to prove God's existence, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what they say. This is always fun. Did you know there are (laughs) 50,000 facts of physics and chemistry which refute the theory that we came about by chance? 50,000, huh? 50,000. They do not go on to give you those 50,000 facts or claims. They just tell you that and say, like, that's it. That proves it. Like 4,000, 50,000. It's like, describe them to me. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a hint. Yeah. A little a little taste of what that's like. Here, have some tea. <laughs> yeah. Shh. All right. Let's get Sorry. into why we're so evil. 
So we're told that your small and insignificant planet is of local universe concern simply because it is the mortal home world of Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> Ours, Arantia, is the only planet in the universe visited by a creator sun. Most planets would welcome him, but we didn't because we're evil. So, Arantia is more conflict-prone than normal. Regular worlds advance through education rather than conflict. The divine plan for us was to become more spirit-responsive, but the plan failed. Uh-oh. Yeah. And the reason the reason that failed is we're told our, our planet sucks because we were in an experiment. Um, Adam didn't adhere to the original plan, which meant that our spirit of brotherhood is lacking. And our father, Michael, was slow to condemn us. He should have destroyed us, but he couldn't because we're his children. So he he didn't because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, we, so we were fucked from the get-go, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> there was a moment where, like, God told some guy to kill his kids, and that was us, and he decided not to, and now we're evil because of that or whatever. We were given a beautiful gift. We took a dump on it, and we're forever cursed. Uh, here's Here's a nice little last bit, too. What we think is music isn't real music. We stopped progressing Whoa. musically because Adam and Eve died. <laughs> so that's rough for us. Our music sucks, apparently. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? This guy peed on it. Donnie, please. I was oh, going to no. say, as musicians, like, I take great offense. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> yeah. And that's why we're so evil. That kind of concludes that section. Wow. I just got a little eviler from hearing it, so... <laughs> It's creepy, man. Like, I, strangely enough, like, this topic makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but, like, I, I feel very strange right now. Very cringe. About this. Very cursed. <laughs> You're cursed, man. If you stay here, we'll all be cursed. Cursed indeed. Well, fucking perfect a couple episodes to <laughs> rename the podcast on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> all right, should we move on to the Jesus section? So... Moore writes, mercifully, now we get to the end. A really long section retelling the story of Jesus. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. We're told the Bible got a few things wrong and left other things out. The story supplies specific dates, such as just before noon on Sunday, January 12th, AD 27. We're told Joseph was a black-eyed brunette, Mary a brown-eyed, well-nigh blonde type. We get to the story of how Mary and Joseph met. <laughs> Don't Joseph say was like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Joseph was employed by Mary's father to build an addition to his house. When Mary brought Joseph a cup of water during a noontime meal, their courtship began. Oh, chicka. Wow, wow. Tight. Joseph was not an old man, as in Catholic, Catholic tradition. Rather, the reason he's absent in Jesus' life is because he died in a tragic accident. They don't elaborate. He was just... He died when Jesus was a kid. I That's guess. not... That is not... No. <laughs> That's the, the, not... the canonicity all goes out the window. Yeah, man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus doesn't perform miracles. Rather than raising a young man from the dead, he simply realizes a young man who appears to be dead is really still alive. Stop when he... it. <laughs> Stop it. It's so Oh, wait. Stupid. This goes back to, like, Jesus was, like, the best doctor, so to speak. Yeah, it's... It... They're trying to say Jesus is just a normal man, magic doesn't exist, but science and Christianity can coexist. That's Come what on. they're doing here. Dude, it's it's good here because I think we know the story of Jesus, so this is maybe a little bit more like tangible. But 
when he tells his disciples where to cast their nets to catch fish, it wasn't a miracle. Jesus just happened to know where there were fish. He's a really good fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. The <laughs> resurrection of Jesus eyes. was spiritual <laughs> yep. rather than physical in nature. He didn't resurrect. People just carried his teachings, his name, and he was metaphorically resurrected in that way. He actually died. He didn't come back from that. <laughs> okay. You know what? All right. Jesus didn't have nail marks in his hands after he resurrected, like the gospel story says. So he did resurrect, but he didn't have nail marks. They kind of doubled back on that one. Wait, so he was both dead and not, he was undead. Yeah, yeah. they say he didn't resurrect, but they also say that after he came back from the dead, he didn't have nail marks on his hands. So So cool. You know, he didn't resurrect, but like, you know, when he did. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but when he did, he didn't have the nails. That was stupid. Yeah, yeah. these remind me of like somebody on cocaine at a party who corners you and just like tells you the truth about nine eleven. Yeah, and they just throw in random shit like there was fucking thermite, and, they, and the f-. they like grab you by the collar and they're like, "Listen, man, building fucking seven, all right." <laughs> like, it's kind of just like a shotgun of weird biblical claims, and yeah. you're just supposed to a couple land maybe, and that's how they get you. Like, yeah, something speaks it's, to you. Maybe I think you're right about that. Like that is the way this works. There's like twenty different fucking things they're saying, and then it's like, yeah, okay, well. The majority of people, I mean, especially look at what we're looking at today in American society, they'll just grab the one thing they like and be like, oh, yeah, no, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And the rest is fine. So Jesus can both not have resurrected or also resurrected and then he had no nail marks on his hands. A person who wants to hear something will be like, I don't know, pick either one, you know? (laughs) And their definition of resurrect was also like... His teachings, his story carried on throughout the ages. It's not that he was resurrected. So in that sense, you could be like, okay, kind of makes sense. You're not using resurrect in the sense that like he came back from the dead and like continued right. to do it's his a, It's a metaphorical ascended resurrection. Into heaven. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There's, you know. there's one little golden rule thing here, maybe at the end. Jesus espouses the idea that revelation is not being situated in a particular time or place, but continuing even today. And he points out... The golden rule, which can be summed up, if a man wants to have sex with someone and does to them what he wants to him, that's actually a sin. <laughs> that's a nice little golden rule. They literally say rape is bad at one point. And <laughs> Don't fuck onto others. <laughs> you wouldn't want them to fuck onto you. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, the last thing that DJ Moore writes about, he says, essentially, the end of the book is that according to them, the key to world peace is global regulation of money and trade, the use of a global language and religion, and eugenics. Mm, Great. (laughs) And that's how it kind of ends. And that's the way the news goes. A little weird's got that kind of apocalyptic kind of thing going on. Apocalyptic, eugenics, but corporatism? Yeah. (laughs) Why? Because it benefits them as a corporation. I They're like, the actually, <laughs> out of all the federations of aliens, all this shit, like, actually, like, Ronald Reagan's, like, kind of our hero. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it, there were two great triumphs. One, my name's Ron, and the government is communist. We, the people, are free. Yeah, that got pretty thick at the end there's a lot of nonsense there but that's why i didn't really want to focus on that too much to begin with oh it was it was fun but it was also like it's just a weird space that this inhabits in my brain of just like where does this doesn't plug into anything 
Yeah, I feel like I no. was getting dumber the more I read into it. Yes. And I was like, I need to just <laughs> I, summarize yeah. and move on. Like, <laughs> It's like the first couple of words are so poignant and then it's like, it just becomes so crazy. <laughs> it's like, I know. I know I keep yeah. using no, this man. verb, but it just melts. It's yeah. Just, it's brain yeah. melting content. That, no, I mean, that's that's a great way to put it. Like, it it is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine they use that as a way to be like, well, maybe you just didn't comprehend it. Read through the, the hey, section again. Try go, again. go over it yeah. again. Memorize it word for word. Maybe. You'll get it. You'll get it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so complex. We all get it. All of us are so enlightened. Like, you'll get it. You know. I, I imagine they kind of use it as like a well, which is thing. like an appeal okay. appeal to the group. You know, it's like you, you don't want to be the one guy who's like, this is. I mean, I would be that guy, but <laughs> it, uh, normal people don't want to be the guy that's like. This is bullshit. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? They just kick you out and say, don't worry about that guy. He was from the bad the bad side of Satania. I would take so many people with me. I'd be like, you're right. I am from Satania. <laughs> so what have we learned from all this? Is there is there a through something we can divine out of this that <laughs> like a, a positive yeah, point theme yeah. that What's the lesson taken? we learned here today? Sleepy time tea works and I'm tired. <laughs> okay, well, okay, there's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Charlie. Tea. It does the trick. They weren't wrong in their formulations. When they got Moe's Sleepy Time blend and they were smelling like herbs and wearing jeans, like, they got a, something right. Do you think they were smelling like herbs? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was going to say, I think this for me is just a good example of like, how we're storytelling creatures and we need narratives to make sense of the world. But like, this is definitely creative, but it's just so nefarious at its roots. And like, it's just a bad example of, I don't know, like I'm trying to wrap this all up in a bow here, but <laughs> no, it's a mess. I don't think it's there's a, a way to do so. No, it's... when you're trying to make a story to make life make sense in the universe and whatever, like, I just don't know how you go to this one. You remember when we were kids? And it's you, almost mix... harder to make this than, like, looking into it actually scientifically. Yeah. The way exactly. I see it, T, it, like, what you're trying to wrap a bow around is, remember when we were kids, you put, like, cornstarch and water, and then it's a non-Newtonian fluid. So, like, yeah. You know, you, the more you, you push, apply pressure, the harder it gets or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you're trying to tie up a bow around something that, like, needs constant, like, I don't know, pressure upon it. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's... It, they're, this these people are insane. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I'm always willing to think about a cause, but like, this is crazy. And it's, and I I hate to reiterate this, but like, it is truly an exponential. Like, there's like five six words where you're like, oh okay, and then it's like, oh, and then you know, Xanthar on Xenon, kind, <laughs> you know, he helped the people and he. Gave them singleberries. Right. He he gave them, you know, it's crazy. Uh, much like a cherry, but with no pit, uh, he gave them this fruit. And then he took, you know, exactly four million of them uh, to, uh, you know. Yeah. We don't have a word for the planet they went to, but, you know, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, planet number six. The Blamps rub against the Chumbles. And the Plubis and Grumbo are shaved away. That leaves you with a regular old Plumbus. I always wondered how uh, Plumbuses got made. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's more complicated than just learning astronomy. You can just, you just learn astronomy. Like, right. You can become an astrophysicist in 
that type of stuff would make more sense than any of this book. Like, I, um, I don't understand how it's gotten a following, period, how it gained traction, you know, because it's madness. Like, yeah. Like, even f- in the 70s, it was 69, 70, Summer Love, when this kind of started picking up momentum. Even then, how does this make any sense, period? Like, maybe you're on acid and someone I, reads yep. it to you, and then exactly the next day you're like, no, no, that made sense last night. <laughs> planet 1632, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the planetary princes were right. Like, yeah, it it's it's fun. Like you said, it's creative, and it's weird that they use this creative outlet to just, like, mask a bunch of weird racist eugenics, like, mm-hmm. true dark stuff. And now it's a religion, but not really. I don't, you don't see churches of this. You don't, there's a foundation. They're trying to get it into like Asia. It's translated into 60 languages. It's a yeah, bizarre they, thing, but it's a grift. They have an agenda. Then I, I think it's just money at the end of the day, but like, how the fuck does this work? It's just silly. And I'm glad we finally got to the end of this story because it's just a strange one. Yep. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> you know what? What a great way to kick off the counter or the cursed collector. Right? Yeah. Very cursed. Very cursed. Extremely cursed. cursed story. <laughs> You're welcome, listener. You are now cursed. Yeah. Yep. Join us. Oh, we get to come up with new tiers for stuff. Yes, we do. Next whiteboard session. New and you know what? I, I should tell you, dear listener. If you find yourself with the sun on your face, sweet grasses beneath your feet. Fear not, for you're in Elysium, and you're already dead. (laughs) (laughs) If you want us to submit a... (laughs) That was beautiful. No, that was beautiful. I don't know what that was, but it was gorgeous. You know what? I'm going to cut the intro for the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Paste it in here. I'm going to paste it in here. If you want to submit a Cursed Curiosity for us to make an episode about, you can do that by emailing us suggestions at cursedcuriositypod at gmail.com. You can also find Harass and DM me on Twitter, both at at Cope Taylor, Cope is spelled K-O-P-E, and the show's Twitter is at Cursed Curiosity Pod. All sources and show notes can be found at CursedCuriosity.com. Check us out on Patreon and subscribe for just three bucks a month to gain access to bonus episodes, like all of the debunkle ones that will be going behind the paywall soon. You can get a shout out on air and many other perks. Our producer is the lovely Laurel. Our theme song, Idiot, is written and performed by Atmosphere, courtesy of Ryan Sayers Entertainment. Thanks for listening. Much love to the listener. And until next time, stay curious, check your sources, and fuck this melted book. Holy fuck, (laughs) yes. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Nice. Whoever taught you how to speak your mind Never knew you'd turn out to be an idiot And I might be stupid But I'ma keep it moving like I know what I'm doing Whoever thought you had a goddamn clue Never knew you'd turn out to be an idiot I might be a fool But I seem so cool when I'm next to you I... I'm not dead yet Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with the You remember when this was just like the epitome of rock and roll as a kid? Yeah. I imagine this like roller skating night. Yeah, man. Yes. Fucking yeah, Saints North man, hell yeah. Say something. So we just recited. I know, I know.
That's the, the Pledge of Allegiance. I did the preamble to the Constitution. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Smash Mouth. You had to take hard It's so good. It's so good. Judging by the hole in the satellite picture. It was scary. We were like visibly frightened when that happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, shut up. I have an announcement. Honestly, I thought it was funny because it, it almost felt like a passive aggressive conversation with Alexa mediating it. Where it's like, Alexa, tell Laurel that I don't care what she thinks. Like, she's like, Alexa, tell tell everyone in the basement that uh, they need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, Alexa, would like, you please say shut the fuck up? <laughs> She's gonna do it. She's right over here. I said, yep, what a concept. I could use a fool myself and we could all use a little change wow <laughs> yeah, timeless timeless yeah Remember? it was more negligent manslaughter <laughs> no you're like don't you just hate how we just die and just take I cut it so it's like hey take that back <laughs> yeah, yeah okay this is All good right. yeah. cheers I'm feeling fucking stoked up yeah. I'm ready to go <laughs> like, I needed that yeah. song to yeah. wake me up it's so good. Yeah. All the dark stuff that we've gone through, I was just like, uh, it's sucking the life out of me. But now, I feel reinvigorated. I feel like I should go mix some races. Mr. Chain Blue Lightning himself. Okay, I'm going to live my <laughs> life in defiance of everything the Urantia book stands for from here on out. Because I hate it. And I don't like Mo Siegel. 